Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and this week I'm joined, as always, by Ben Price. How are you, Ben? Not bad, my friend. How's it going? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. Glad to uh, have got the other side of of Reading. We did have a question uh, from Matthew Davey. We'll start with that because it's a classic uh, Gareth Baker question. It might even be... Gareth Baker's uh, second profile on Twitter, but he asked... So, only a second. I think we worked out in the chat. It's his fifth. Yeah, probably, isn't it? Probably banned from the rest of them. <laughs> so Matthew asked, would you rather play red in every week or eat mouldy bread for the entire season? I blame Gareth Baker entirely for this question. Um, but given how the last couple of games have gone, um, I'd rather eat mouldy bread. Yeah. I, never want, I never want to see Reading again. The city itself is a shithole. The fans are annoying, and the games are poor. Let's just let's just shake hands and agree. Look, playing each other is a bad idea. No one really wins. Let's just move on. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Moldy bread every day of the week, and I, like many, I'm sure, are pretty fed up of the sight of Reading at the moment. Um, before we go on to uh, onto the two games we got to discuss about Reading, just a quick word on on Kenny Miller, former Cardiff striker, who announced his retirement and did all right in City, didn't he? Yeah, it was sort of he was the start of the striker, the average strikers. He was a bit of a drop after obviously Chopra went to Ipswich, uh, Bothroyd went to QPR. Um, yeah, just. All you think about though is one moment, isn't it? Well, there's two moments you think about. When you think of Kenny Miller, one good, West, one bad. Yeah, the West Ham goal and that shot against Liverpool. Yeah, they're both ends of the spectrum. Sort of said, showed how much we realistically ran him into the ground that season. We did, didn't we? But he was one of the rare. We, we seem to have a, a bit of a spell of signing kind of veteran strikers, and he wasn't. He's still played a few years after that, but one of the rare ones that that turned out pretty well. You know, when you're thinking the Robbie Fowlers of of the City age, you know, he they turned get out all right. Ten, eleven goals for us. Yeah, not too bad. You're not high to Helgerson, you know, but but it did <laughs> did all right. Um, well, let's go on to to Reading, the first one, the league game. A one-one draw. Callum Patterson scored the goal. What was your initial reaction to that then? Boring. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just boring. Um, the first half was really poor from both sides. Uh, the change to four three three in the second half made a big difference, but even then, there were moments. But it's just meh, isn't it? Like the reason we're drawing every game is because every game is just boring. Yeah. Not yeah. battering teams. We're not realistically being battered either. It's just dull. Yeah, pretty much. And- you know, we've talked week after week after week about conceding these early goals, but again, after eight eight or nine minutes, it was uh, mate, I think it was for them scoring again, and those early goals just killing us, aren't they? Like you're you're starting the game a goal down, so whatever you do in the game, you're just fighting back to try and get a draw. And they're stupid goals to give away, giving a player that much free room just to get the head on and score. It's just. It was the header, that one, wasn't it? He scored so many passes the last few weeks, I can't Hasn't remember he? which one's which. I don't, I don't even know who the lad is, but he's to keep scoring against us. He's like, was he three? I'm pretty sure he's four goals in the four games. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. But, you know, we, we've talked every week, and uh, pretty much it seems, about these early goals, but are you seeing any evidence of any 
anything changing, do you think? Because I, I don't think I am, really. It seems to be the same story. I can see what Harris is trying to do. I really can. I think the transfers have sort of shown with a very, very, very limited budget of what he's actually trying to do. Um, you're yeah, looking specifically at... the early goals that I'm talking here, like the oh. way we're starting the match or, you know, it just seems we're conceding early every game and I'm not seeing any evidence of... To be fair to Harry, what's he going to do? What can he do? That's down to the players to switch on. Um, it's a mentality issue from players that really need to sort themselves out. Harris can only do so much to prep the players and there's no doubt, he's not good telling the players go on the pitch and concede after 12 minutes, let's make it, let's have a laugh and let's make it an uphill struggle because he knows we're not scoring enough goals for that to happen. No, of um, course, but we're not, I'm not seeing any evidence of us maybe starting the first 20 minutes sitting deep conservatively and then and then looking to, you know, build build a bit more just to make sure we don't concede we're, we're early. We're looking on the right foot and get within a good start and what we don't do is think, I think he's the, we've been told, right, get on the front foot early on, get a couple of early shots. And we sort of get into that a little bit. We sort of have a fair bit of territory in the other half. And then we forget to defend. And then we're hit on the counter. Because I think near enough every goal has come from just a counter-attack. Yeah. That's just really, really just sloppy. I think blame's got to be laid at Jazz the last few games for just being really poor. Uh, I think Dion's going to come in and sort of... I know there's talk of him only being a squad player, but if he's as good as Wolves think he is, I think it won't be long till he takes Jazz's place. Um, you, you can't let Lee Peltier go and replace him with a squad player. Yeah, like Jazz, Jazz Richards is the squad player, isn't he? He should be. No, yeah. I, like, I like Jazz, but he's not reliable, reliable enough with his fitness to be our number one right back. You need well, someone. He's played, that... he's, in fairness to him, like. Three years injured on and off to come back and play this much football straight away, he's going to have moments where it's not up to speed. That's just purely because yeah, he's not yeah. played a lot. Um, to let someone like Lee Peltier go for, if the rumours are true, for a pathetic reason from a personal grudge, is really really poor. Um, I think you can see from Lee Peltier's Twitter activity, we sort of see that the club or Neil Harris pulled the contract back that was promised to him. And then the falling out which just led to, let's face it, the most consistent and solid defender this season going on a free transfer to a promotion contender. And you can see how good Peltier is and how much the team at West Brom values him, that they weren't messing around and took him up. Um, You look at it from all parties. It just shows a lack of long-term planning from the club. It just seems just so knee-jerk. Yeah. But you look at it. For, I I can't remember if we if we've properly spoken about the transfers because it was obviously still recorded last week within the deadline, didn't we? Um, or, or you and Baker did. But you look at the the Peltier one, and Peltier clearly didn't want to leave. You know that's yeah. evident from his social media, from everything he said. The fans didn't want him to leave. None of the players would have wanted him to leave. I, I'm pretty confident of that. So to let, like you said, let him go down, let him go for nothing. It seems I think he was released from his contract, wasn't he? So he could go and yeah. sign for West Brom. To do that purely on, it seems like him and Harris have had a little bit of a a falling out. Maybe we we don't even know if it's that, do we? But it seems oh, like let's that. Face, let's face it, the likes have confirmed it was a falling out. Yeah. Well, Peltier, I, I was Peltier thinking in classic scouts of fashion hasn't exactly hidden away, hidden the reason why he's gone. No. And I was thinking this, Peltier strikes me as the type who wouldn't 
wouldn't be shy in criticising, in, in questioning a manager's tactics or saying, you know, this isn't working, what are we doing? And I can imagine Harris being the type to take that very personally. And he always seems like he's got his guard up a bit, Harris, I think. And we've talked about it in the past, about in press conferences a bit. Like he's, Warnock had no pressure on him. So he was kind of always, it was a joy watching his press conferences. But Harris gets irked by things a bit. And I can imagine him really, that affecting him and then really kind of isolating Peltier or, or any other player off, off the back of that type of thing. It feels like, do you remember when Hudson left to go to Huddersfield and yeah. Solskjaer sort of pushed him out by claiming him and his team claiming that he deliberately scored that own goal against Wolves and saying, saying to Vince Tan, let's get rid of him just so they could free up space for um, Bruno Manga. Um, it feels like that. It feels like Harris is trying to stamp a bit of authority. The first player that stepped out of line and questioned his methods or questioned him and his management technique, he's using an excuse to, put, to just bomb him off to try and show that he's powerful. And every manager you hear about doing that, if you listen to things like uh, Under the Kosh, uh, John Parkins' podcast, every player that says the manager's done that to them, it loses them the dressing room. It gives off the wrong impression. It demoralises the lads. It doesn't show that the manager's got bollocks. It shows the manager's weak. He's afraid of challenging people. He's afraid of confrontation. It shows the manager's weak. And it sort of feels like that. And it's a real worry for me that we're short of characters as it is in that dressing room. And to get rid of one of the biggest and most bubbly personalities in that dressing room is a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, back onto the the Reading game, and what's disappointing, I think, and, and it's been a theme really, is after such a big, you know, surprising but huge win against West Brom, who you know were, were top of the table and are, are probably going to finish in the top two, if not win it. It's just it's like that's one step forward and then we're one step back to a real just abject display and a you know a boring game and a one one draw against Reading and you know we've played Reading four times we've not beaten them once so it feels silly saying this but we should be beating Reading at home. Yeah, hundred percent. If we're looking to be anything other than a mid table side, um, I think Neil Harris at a press conference today. I don't know if you've read up on it. Yeah, um, it, it just feels like he's basically thrown the towel and written the season off. Yeah. Um there he's it feels like he's accepting look, we're a mid table team this year, it's a rebuild job. And we're what, four points off the playoffs, four or five points off the playoffs? Um, it's not the right attitude. But at the moment, we in fairness to him, he sees that we are just an average, average side. We've got at the moment we've got average players playing averagely or just below average a lot of the time. What is it? I know he's only lost I'm not really counting the FA Cup games a loss in 90 minutes two games since he's been here how many yeah. draws have we had Ten. it's just yeah. mental it's a scary it's it's just mid mid it's mediocrity it is it is yeah we're going to talk a bit in in part three we've got the neil harris report card after 18 games but, but yeah i agree agree with what you're saying it is it is mediocrity and you know we'll talk a bit about the the change in in style if there has has been any but you know against Reading, 54 point seven percent possession which is you know for cardiff uh, what we used to in recent years uh, you know a, a good high percentage of possession and so there are there are signs of, of some change isn't there but it's finding that balance between change and, and finding that creativity and cutting edge and it was lacking well, in this game definitely we're not passing it across the back and because purely because our center backs can't pass it across the back 
Um, the midfield look like it's holding on to the ball a lot, and that's definitely come from the massive step up from Will Volks in the last few weeks. Um, he's been fantastic since he's coming back into the squad, and seems to want to just take. He's taken. He's been given the chance. And he's taken it, and you can't fault him. Um, we need some. We need a bit more work on the creativity thing. But there's something that frustrated me with the Reading game at home um, was the fans' reaction to just us trying to keep the ball. You can't complain we're hoofing up, we're doing this, we're possession, we're getting like 30% possession at home is pathetic. When the players are doing the right thing in recycling play, there's a few times there was nothing on going forward, so we've played it back to either the centre-back or the goalkeeper to recycle the play and sort of build up again. And the fans around me, oh, for fuck's sake, just hoof it up there. And you sort of think, you're literally hammering Harrison Warnock for doing this a few months ago. What do you want? And it just shows that our fans don't know what we want. And I think that's purely because there's no direction from above saying this is the way we're going. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it all just ties, it just all falls into a lack of leadership from above. Um, the poor transfer window, the last minute decisions, even the appointment of Harris all just screams every reaction from this board is knee jerk. And we are desperately in need of a director of football. But we've been saying that for two years at least well probably longer but publicly you know Warnock came out a few years ago the board even have said that they want someone last summer well, what's going on you know it's it's February now the season's you know going to be over in a few months and it's another season without a plan without a strategy without a director of football driving this type of thing to me they should have had the director of football in place before Warnock left so that the next the next managerial appointment was based around the plan and the strategy of the director of football. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's just, again, it's just short-term plan, isn't it? The club weren't prepared for Warnock to leave. Um, and just, they haven't got a clue. And I think, ideally, they'd have wanted to do that. They'd have wanted to say all that, but Warnock leaves out of the blue and they're not really prepared for it. And they just panic and go, right, we'll just do what we did before. Yeah. Um, I did quite enjoy the panic from a lot of City fans when they saw Russell Slade was in McDonald's before the game. <laughs> thinking, oh Christ, he's coming back in as a director of football. I didn't see that. Yeah, because um, obviously he still lives in Ogmore, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and he's recently left Hereford United. I mean, if you get a sack from Hereford, poor Russell, man. I mean, oh, just yeah. Leighton Orient Greg. didn't want him when we took him. So, oh no, they wanted him. They were gutted when he went. I think they were just yeah. more gutted didn't get paid for him. I thought, but, um, yeah. Oh. Well, says it all, doesn't you can it? Read really? about Slade coming in an article coming up. I wrote my first article for View from the Ninian. Yes, and boy, was I scraping the barrel. Russell Slade's top five signings—that was really, really scraping the barrel, wasn't it? It, it? There was a lot of a lot of signings, not many <laughs> very good. Uh, well, let's go on to the the second game against Red, and it was the the more exciting, the more entertaining game. A 3-3 draw uh, after being 2-0 up. Lost on penalties after extra time in the FA Cup. Obviously a replay against Reading. Can we just give a shout-out to Paul Grono, Bluebird blogger, who was manning the view from the Ninian uh, Twitter feed to when it ended in a draw, tweeted out about off to the replay we go when obviously it was was going to extra time. So we hope Paul didn't, didn't miss extra time going home thinking there was a replay. He's still on the ticket website now, waiting for ticket deals to be released. 
Never mind, Paul, that you straight away throwing him under the bus with a tweet. That's what I found funny. Anyone can make a mistake, but you, oh no, just let him have this. Just hammered him. Too good an opportunity, wasn't it? Oh, it's be- it was beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. But you just mentioned 3 3 draw, a lot to, to discuss, but it was an attacking a goal. Three, I can't remember the last time we scored three goals, but I know we still conceded three, but that's the type of difference that having. Josh Murphy, granted a, a performing Josh Murphy, but he just changes the play, doesn't he? Because he's so direct and, and attacking. Yeah, he's just... It's what frustrates you the most about him, isn't it? It's that the capability and the potential's there. And games like this, he shows you it. But he's not going to build on that, is he? He'll disappear now for the next... Well, we might not see another performance like that for the rest of the season, and he's done it in a re- replay of an FA Cup. <laughs> It's really, really frustrating, and I just don't know what we can do to get the best out of him. You saw in the replay that when he plays in that form, he's unplayable. He's one of the best wingers in the league. Two goals, was putting balls in left, right, and centre that, to be honest, Glatzel should have done a lot better for. Um, I just don't know. It's just, why can't he do that regularly? What is What is the mentality issue? that's stopping him from doing that. Is it the fact he, worry, he worries that the fans get his back too quickly? Is it... Which they do, to his defence. But they gave him so many chances. Yeah. I, I'll st- I get the fans' frustration. I'm one of them. I mean, I didn't jeer when he got subbed. I think if you did that, you're an arsehole. But um, just there's only so much you can do when he takes the first man on and gets beaten and then disappears the rest of the game. Um, you're going to get frustrated and... He's got a man up and prove to the fans. If the fans don't owe him anything anymore. Look, we've given him plenty of chances. He's got to prove to the fans that he's good enough to play for this shirt and play in this league and justify the £11 million pounds that Neil Warnock spunked on him. Um, the hope right- is that he's, you know, he's noted, you know, this absence from the team that that he's not the first choice anymore under Neil Harris. Harris has given him a bit of a kicking up the arse and. And you know that performance, a, a glimmer of of what he can do, is is the boost that he needs. But you know, it feels like we've said that a, a lot, doesn't it? Really, it's Ken's a horse syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, I really, really hope he does come good. I don't want, I never want a City player to fail. Never have, never will. I want them all to the best of the club because in the end, we all benefit. What about Scott Malone? Even Scott, I wanted him to do well. I just think he's a prick. <laughs> um, again, read more about that in my article coming up. <laughs> he still made number three. I hate him when he made number three. For fuck's sake, Russell. Um, but yeah, it's just for, it, there's only so many chances you can give before you have to cut losses. I mean, it says a lot that we turned down a loan offer from Celtic uh, in the January window for Murphy. I'd have thought with assigning another winger as well that they really were they they would have taken that and sort of just cut their losses really because we've done it with Medine. I'm surprised it didn't happen with Murphy as well. Harris obviously sees something in him. It's up to Murphy now and no one else to justify it, that faith. Yeah, and another player that you know needs a boost and and for many needs to needs to to earn his his price tag is is Robert Glatzel. He got a goal against Reading in, in the cup and you know what are your thoughts on him because it, there's been so much criticism of him on social media in in recent weeks and you know, I've seen some saying he's one of the worst signing cities have ever made, and he. And these people are fucking idiots. Let's not beat around the bush. You wrote the article about Lewandowski. He could play in that side, and he struggle for goals. 
there's no supply. He's not a big lumping centre forward, that a target man. He's a classy footballer that if you get the ball to his feet, can finish and finish well. You've seen his goal against Leeds. You saw the goal from the pass that Volks put in uh, against Red Wolves. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, William. That was very, very naughty. But <laughs> just you can see, there's there's a fantastic player in there. We've just got to play to his strengths. Yeah. Well, I, I tweeted that that goal out with the the pass of Volks and said, "Look what happens when you actually play to Glatzel's strengths because he's not a target man. No, he's a he really, wants those really... balls to run onto or or you know if they're going to be wants whipped to run into off the, the last man, get a bit of space and tuck it away." Um, and he'll score 15, 20 goals. I'm comfortable with that. I think he's a fantastic player that any other team with a decent sort of... You put him in that West Brom team, for instance, when they're firing all cylinders. Yeah. Ridiculous. He'll outscore as a whore. I think he's one of the best strikers we've had in years. I think he's got the potential to be. I think he's got the potential to be a real big cult icon. I think he's the striker we... we've needed for a while. We just need to play to his strengths now. We need to build a team around him. What's, is he 25, 26? He's not, yeah. I, know he's not, I know he's not young, but he's not exactly old. You've got a couple of years you can rinse him before you sell him on, as horrible as that sounds. <laughs> but um, look, he's, a, he's a player. He's an absolute player if you get the ball to his feet and give him a chance. But there's a few players like that. Dare I say Murphy would probably play better if you play on the floor a bit more and play to his feet and not sort of yeah. just move it and hope for the best. If you're knocking the ball about, this team's got. There's some players in there that can play some decent football. There's a lot of players that can't as well. I think someone you're looking at, someone like Marlon Pack. I don't think he's made out for the rolling midfield, the anchoring rolling midfield to spray the passes about. No. As much as we want him to be, if we were trying to get that style of play involved, we need we, that's one area we need to look at in the summer. But someone like Will Volks has put come into the side and arguably could do that role as well. Um, so I think. I think if we just jump to the question, someone asked, who's the throop? What's the best midfield pairing at the moment if you go in with Tomlin as a 10? Um, for me, it's Volks and Rawls when fit. It's a bit lightweight, but yeah. I think they'll work well together over time. They've just got to build a partnership. And when Rawls isn't fit in it, I think I saw Harris say today he's not going to be fit for another couple of weeks. It's it's Volks and Bakuna for me. For me as well. Um, yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I don't get, I don't see what Marlon Pack's offering anymore. He started. He started the first couple of games before he got that hamstring injury really, really well, um, and sort of did the role that we wanted him to. But since then, slow on the ball. He has a slower turn in circle and Aidan Flint. Hmm. Um, just poor passing. I think yeah. I'd imagine he's got one for someone that's only passing sideways. Um, his percentage, his, his passing percentage rate must be quite low. It's just frustrating. He gives the ball away so many times. He also drifts back onto the centre-back's toes a lot of the times and they want to get the ball away from them. Yeah. And he sits so deep and invites pressure that it just cooks me. And it cooks, you can see it, just cooks the centre-backs as well. There was one time he challenged Nelson for a header that he had no business going for. And it's just, yeah, it's just, he's the midfielder that gets dropped Bakuna and Volks at the moment. Then when um, rolls his fifth, Bakuna's not hitting the dizzy dizzy heights that he hit a few months ago, then he, Rawls comes in, um, yeah. and I think that's how you get the best out of that midfield. Yeah, just looking at um, when he got it for the the league game, the one one draw against Reading. But looking at Pack's kind of passing maps, and he did complete thirty three out of forty three passes, um, but you know ninety percent are sidewards, and 
most of the ones that he played forwards were incomplete passes. Um, that's one of the difference that, that Will Volks has made, I think. You look at his passing maps and almost every single pass is going forward. He's yeah, trying he's, to break he's, the lines. He's trying to progress the play, whether that's running with the ball or whether it is it is passing. And you know, I think that makes that makes a huge difference. And looking at again, it's the the league game, but the attack in third passes and Will Volks is is miles ahead of of Pack and even Tomlin. You know, eight, twelve out of eighteen attack in third passes completed. So, you know, that's one of the big differences that that he's made. I think um, he's found. Uh, what I'm really buzzing with Volks is that. And we spoke about it early on when there was a lot of questions why he wasn't playing under Warnock. I said it would take him time to find his place in the team and find his role. And when he finds it, he'll come good. And boy, has he proven that at the moment. Um, the only thing I'd like to see him is get a few more shots off from outside the box. We all know he can absolutely blast them. Um, I'd like to start, now he's sort of getting the passes through and getting a decent run. Let's see him sort of getting it forward a bit more and start trying to create some chances and score some goals. Because I just want to see that celebration, to be honest, more than anything. What's, I've not seen a celebration. What is it? Oh, he does an f- unreal front flip. It's, he does it all, doesn't he? Oh, he's unreal. Long throw. And, and, and he calls Grealish sexy and really wound him up. So <laughs> there's nothing not to like about him. Oh, I do like. I'm glad. I'm glad he's come good. We, yeah, like you say, we spoke about it a lot earlier on in the season, didn't we? And and I, I remember saying that I just wanted to be given a chance. It feels like he's being you know left out by Warnock harshly and. And like you said, it was kind of the feeling that he needed to find his feet and find his role, and and he's done that now. And you know, he's kind of made that that position his own, and it's who plays next to him. I think. I think if he keeps it up and starts getting a couple of assists and a couple of goals like he, he did against Reading, um, he's really starting to push for a case to be included, not just in the Wales start in the Cardiff starting eleven constantly, but in the Welsh squad for the Euros. Yeah, that's got to be the carrot for him now. The next, how long's left the season? Three, four months. That's got to be the big, big goal for him to really push on and get into that Wales squad. Yeah, undoubtedly. We, we talked about Robert Glatzer just now, and um, we talked about him needing the time to, you know, be given a chance and to show what he can do. But I'm interested in your opinion on that because, because obviously, Cameron Patterson has has come in and and done well in recent weeks and kind of pushed his way to the front of the pecking order a bit, hasn't he? As, as Cardiff's first choice striker and, and, and he's doing well and but he completely changes the way that we play I love Patterson and I think most Cardiff fans do but instantly with him in the side we look long so much more you know it's trying to find that balance isn't it between do you abandon your long term plan to try and play better football for the short term gain of, of you know maybe doing a little bit better the short term I think that's a bit harsh <laughs> again Patterson, someone, Patterson can play football yeah, I'm not, he he's a decent play player. But I, I know what you mean. The players need to stop looking for that easy option of going long. Yeah, because um, they are so much. Yeah, but Patterson right now is has got the striker shit for me. Um, he's scoring goals. He's getting to positions to score goals, and his work rate is phenomenal. I love Glatz. I think he'll come good. But at the moment, no, the form Patterson's in. He's got to be. He's got to be. You need someone that scores goals. So. Patterson has the shirt. You address that then later on, and see where it goes. And you sort of play to the ball on the floor with Patterson as well, because we all know he can hit a good, decent strike. We know he's good on the floor. There's no reason why we can't just do it. It's just—is it manager tactics? Is it players just going for the easy option? Who knows? But there's no reason why we can't play 
a consistent style and not have someone like Patterson scoring goals. Yeah, fair point. I say it's not a slight on Patterson, but like I say, you look at you look at the passive maps compared to like a Tomlin and Glatzel combination compared to when when Patterson's in one of those roles, and it's it's just ridiculous the amount of times we're going from the centre backs or the goalkeeper up long to to Patterson. Um, and it is amazing just how many of those Patterson wins as well. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I was in this game. It was a three-three draw, but we we were two 0 up, and um, you know I remember seeing it. I didn't go to the game, but seeing it flash up two 0 and, and feeling confident, thinking we can't can't lose this one here. But we did. And and how bad was it to lose a two 0 lead? And and is it worrying that that concentration and and that we weren't able to see that out? Yeah. What's more impressive is that we didn't manage to draw the penalty shootout somehow. <laughs> um, just the way it's all going, but it's it's unforgivable absolutely unforgivable to be 2-0 up and cruise him and there's a lot of flack on Harris and I think rightly so uh, Joel Baggin came in for his debut and played sensationally I think Wales online gave him an 8 I haven't seen Terry's, uh, Terry Phillips ratings yet if he has done them I don't know if he's at the game um, but absolutely brilliant performance sounds like he really really did well And um, but he went down on 80 minutes with cramp and could barely walk why then it took so long to make the change to get um, Bennett on is mental because it was 2-1 at the time it was just shocking you could see that it's his first game of senior football I know it's a replay in the FA Cup you'd think even, even if he didn't go down you'd, at 2-1 you might think right the best thing to do now is take out this inexperienced kid who's done well and put in the experienced defender and see it out yeah it's just poor management poor game management and um Harris has to take the criticism for that. Um, there's criticism all over the shop. The goals conceded were poor. I managed to flick onto the periscope from the Reading fan just as the th- as the equaliser for the third goal went in, which was really frustrating. But just to see that goal going in, just the space um, he had to score. It's just sloppy mistakes from manager and players that we need to cut out. But I don't think it's getting cut out with the run of games we've got. Um, we're playing a lot of football where we're not spending too much time on the training ground and that's where those mistakes will get cut out. Um, realistically, I don't see any real improvements being made on those sort of areas till the summer, just till we get on the training ground or if we have a break over the next few weeks. We're not even getting an FA Cup break now because the next round of games is midweek. So it's not like we get a, a week off for a re- uh, for the next round if the team we're playing gets through. It's just... Yeah, it's, there's work to be done, but when do you do when do you make when do you do that work with such a competitive and quick league yeah. in the championship? Yeah, that's a fair point. So if well, when they do go there, maybe they could do a bit of work on their penalty taking. And you know, there's been a lot of um, for those who didn't see it. Aidan Flint took the first and missed. Will Vokes hit the bar with his second, and then Marlon Pack scored his the third penalty. But Reading scored all four, uh, so we only got to see three takers and. There's been a lot of conversation, hasn't there, about why the hell Aidan Flint was taking a penalty. Yeah, and I'm not criticising Flint on this. It takes a lot of bollocks to step oh, up absolutely. and take a penalty. This is on the strikers that are on the pitch. You're an attacking player. You're there to score goals. If it comes to a penalty shootout, and the first penalty is one of the most important penalties, and a centre-back who, can, who, let's face it, isn't exactly known for great ball, like scoring with his feet, yeah, uh, volunteers to step, take that first, and you choose not to. That there's character issues there. 
there's a lot of character issues there well, and fans are rightfully questioning your commitment to the club and commitment to the cause. But we don't know, do we, who was fourth and fifth takers? No, but even still, your but, first penalty is massively important. You look at Red takers, none of their yeah, centre-backs took, took the first, yeah. first couple of penalties. They, their goal scorers there to get a comfortable lead. Yeah, when it comes I, further down then, you, you you can't play this fantasy football thing of, oh, I'm going fifth because I want the glory. Bollocks to that. Get the ball in the back and that's as quick as possible and hope they miss, put the pressure on them. But Just So, Bratzel was on the pitch, Murphy was on the pitch, Patterson was on the pitch. All three of those what, should have been taking a penalty. They should, they should have been the first three there. Um, Joe Bennett, I think, should have taken a penalty. Yeah, he on the pitch, Frash can hit a good strike. Yeah. But again, a defender, it's on those three. Uh, for someone but, like Patterson to not step up and do it is really surprising. Yeah. And I don't get that. But So two of those would be on there. My guesses would be Patterson and Glatzel. Because I think Murphy, you know, a bit of stick from the Cardiff fans already and, and maybe wouldn't want to, to risk being the villain. So maybe those, that's those two. Surely it's the manager and the coaching staff that decide the 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 order. Surely. I just don't think they stepped up. I think even the most naive a manager would go if a striker volunteers or an attacking player volunteers take a penalty. And you can't make a player take a penalty. That's the, there's a lot of people saying, well, the manager should get on there and force the striker to do or the attacking players to take those penalties. You can't do that. If you don't want to take a penalty, you don't take a penalty because you see it just doesn't go well. Um it's all this is purely on the players. I don't think they stepped up to do it. See, I don't agree with that because I think they would have. I think those who would have put themselves forward. I don't. And then think I they... think it's the coach and or the management that decide the order. No, I disagree massively. There's no way that any player, any manager worth their weight in gold. I think even Sunday league managers know you put the striker taking the first first one. Volks and Pack make sense for their penalties. I've got no issue with that. But Flint for the first one, if you've got a striker that's volunteered to do it, you wouldn't do it. You just wouldn't do it. It's just, it's all on the players. I've got, I've got no confidence in saying that. I question every. It, I've, I've lost a lot of respect for all three, for all those attacking players on the pitch. It's mm. absolutely we'll ridiculous. Have to I think, I think, let's say two would have put themselves forward, and it's down to the manager to even if they say, I want to go fifth, the manager decides the the order. For me. I can't, mate. I gen, gen, honestly, I can't see anything on those players not taking them. There's no chance. Like they were the other. It's just yeah. From everyone was saying this, sort of when they were just like talking about the order and stuff, they didn't seem to be in the conversation. Um, I know the orders probably it, the orders decided there and then, and I just think they bottled it. I think all three players have bottled it. Maybe we'll we'll never know, but I mean. Aidan Finch should never have been taken one, should he? No. Even if yeah. he put himself forward, and, and no doubt he would have, you know, he, he probably had the balls to. But I mean, I'd rather Saul Bamber take one than Aidan Flint. Yeah. I'd rather but Neil Etheridge take one than actually he can't really kick, can he? No. I'm not. Like, I, I won't give Flint any grief. He no. stepped up and took that walk. It's a long walk. I've played, I've done one penalty shootout playing like Sunday League, and that was horrible. But for so he doesn't get any grief. Any player that steps up and takes a penalty doesn't get any grief from me in a penalty shootout. You've had the bollocks to do it. It's those that choose not to. 
And just to point out, there's nothing wrong with it being a centre half taking a penalty either. No, we know we know Darren Purse, obviously great centre half, great penalty taker, and I was a centre half growing up. Well, still am. Always took penalties because I was inspired by Darren Purse. So you know, great centre halves take great penalties. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and you. Yeah. Um, there's. Um... Oh, I did miss one to be fair once in a game we were four 0 down, and we uh, last ten minutes got back to four four and got a penalty for the last kick of the game to win five four. I missed it. Oh, that's a sickener. <laughs> I tell everyone it was a great save. Probably, no. shit, probably a shit penalty. No, you <laughs> scuffed yeah. that. Freshly got to you. Uh, right, let's move on. We've we've disagreed enough about penalties. Uh, to talk about Neil Harris, one sort of the Neil Harris report cards. We've got four categories, and, and then a fifth with overall. So if we're writing a report card, eighteen games in, what's it been? Four or five months, something like that. Yeah, about that. October. Yeah, I think so, wasn't it? So, no, November. Start of November was Start it? Start November, yeah. So November, December, four months. So international break weekend, wasn't it, in November? Yeah. So if we were going to rate on performance, you know, Harrison performances on the pitch, tactics, stuff like that, what would you give him out of ten? Or let's give a let's give a grade, a classic A to B. C. Um, performance, C. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Maybe um, a C plus if I was if, feeling if, kind. If, I think if you'd asked me after the West Brom game, C plus. But now seeing these two steps back with the Reading performances, it's got to be a C. Yeah, I think there's been he steadied the ship a bit. It seems like that kind of when Warnock left those those few games that lost to Swansea, that lost to Bristol City, it seemed like we were really in in turmoil, and he's kind of steadied that ship a, a bit without really making any progress, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's I, kind of... I disagree about not making progress. I think you can see what he's trying to do. He's just not had the time. Can you? That, what, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get the ball play more, isn't he? The, the, the stats prove and the long balls aren't as often. We're keeping the ball a bit better. We're recycling play a lot more. We've still got the issues of creativity, which I don't know how you solve. Um, we're over-reliant on Tomlin. But there's... there's a lot of I don't think like there's a lot of people on Twitter and social media and on the forums and stuff saying he's doing a terrible job. I don't think he is. I really don't. Is he doing an uninspiring job? Yeah, I think that's fair enough to say. It's not exactly yeah. get off your feet football. It's not stuff to get you excited. It's a bit mundane at times. It's a bit just meh. But he's not doing a bad job. It's a tough job. This what we've got going on. There's this club's not an easy club to manage. You've got. Uh, owner that seemingly lost interest. You've got a chairman that now lives in Cyprus. You've got a CEO that is very, very strong personality. That's very business led and wants the best finance, best money out of everything. Wants to get the best out of the club financially. Um, he's got a lot of restrictions. He knew he wasn't getting money to spend in January. It'd be nice if you told us that before to <laughs> sort of sort of stifle any sort of false hopes. That's one of the things you know. One of the categories is is his media uh, performance and how he's kind of done with those relations, and maybe we should come on to that that next if we're going with a, a C in performance. There's just been so many mixed messages. You know, he came out the after the is so inconsistent. It's was ridiculous. it the QPR game? He said, you know, he wants four or five reinforcements, and then now he's coming out saying he had knew he had nothing in, yeah, in January. It's, it's... It shows there's no communication between the management and the manager. There's no relation. I don't think there's much of a relationship there. 
Um, it just showed he, I don't think, I think he came in hearing talk of a few youth players that are solid, went to watch a few games, thought they did all right and had a better look at them. Suddenly Cox has gone from, right, he's ready to step in with first and we want him training with us, we want him in with the match day squads too. I think it's good for Cameron to go out on loan. Um, he didn't so go out they, in the end, did he? No. No. Didn't go out, which is, again, an issue because um, where is he getting the football from now? We've got um, Dion Sanderson coming in. Um, yeah, it's just, we want the youth players in. We do shit in the FA Cup, so suddenly he sticks back with the older players, which I think makes more sense. Um, it's just mixed, mixed messages. You look at, from what he was saying when he came in to what he's saying now, it's very, very different things. Yeah. And that... It seems you know, to that, me like he's rolled out a lot of just what he thinks, whether it's what he wanted and it's just transpired quickly that that's not the reality or whether he was just saying what he thinks people would want to hear. I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? I think he's come in, heard the fans want the youth players coming in through, being embedded into the squad. And he's gone, right, we can do that. That's definitely something he's wanted to do, something he's keen on doing, something he did all right at Millwall with. And then he's seen the reality and gone, hmm, there's a reason some of these haven't come through is because they're not quite good enough. Because yeah. I think you look, what's bagging 18? So he's been playing in the under-18s. Um, I think most of the players that are training with the first team have come from the under-18s, not from the under-23s, which shows that the quality in the under-23s isn't there. Mm-hmm. Mark Harris went to Wrexham on loan. He's back now. He's training with the first team squad, but didn't do much at Wrexham. They, well, you saw the season they were having. He didn't yeah. exactly do much to change that. Um, Cameron Cox, we all want to do well, local lad, but look, the game he played against Luton, he was uh, not Luton, sorry, the game he played against uh, Carlisle, he didn't, he didn't stand out, did he? He didn't take his chance to prove no, that he's he ready to play in there. Um, then you've got the players that came in from the under-23s, Baggin and um, Sang. Sang comes on, rattles the bar with his first touch. Baggin goes on and plays fantastically left back. They're the ones that are making the step up, and I think it's where we'll, we'll see players come from the under-18s, not from the under-23s. Warnock was right to clear all the deadwood out. I think you see players like Tommy O'Sullivan left. Um, he's doing very, very average at Hereford. A lot of them haven't really found new clubs. And it shows that there is a big issue that, while we thought there were players good enough to step up in the under-23s, they're not there. But possibly we're going to get lucky with the under-18s. Yeah, I know there's been talk for a while about that. That's the the promising age group, and you know maybe that's starting to to transpire a bit. But yeah, media. I think I'd I'd give him a D. Yeah, D's fair. <laughs> you give Neil Harris the D. <laughs> you know, I think he's like we said. He said a lot of things and actions, or or, or you know, then what's transpired has, has been the complete opposite. I, I tweeted <laughs> or retweeted one that. Um, I found quite funny earlier in the week of when he came in and he said about um, the analytics are playing a big part and stats are a huge part oh, in yeah. recruitment and, and references on recruitment but then also he kind of really wanted to sign Kiefer Moore who uh, is Reese Chambers who, who who tweeted a a graph map of the the most effective and ineffective championship strikers and Kiefer Moore is right down at the bottom in terms of uh, shots accuracy and, and the shots on targets per 90 minutes so you know they're complete contrasting messages if we're using analytics or that's the way he wants to go why are we targeting Keith Moore why are we bringing in 
Adoma, who, you know, surely the, the stats aren't looking good on him. No, they can't be. You know? Um, it's Yeah, again, it's just... Adoma seems like a panic buy. Um, his business... Lives. I'll just go back to the media, sorry, I was going to say with that is... I, I watch a lot. I watch nearly enough all the press conferences on the bus home from work. You, I've got 25, 30 minutes on the bus. It's something, something nice to watch and sort of hear what the manager's got to say from his own mouth instead of sort of clip it from here and there. And Warnock's press conferences got you pumped a little bit. I really if, look forward to them. They were enjoyable, even if you sort of know he's going to say, oh, he was a great lad. He did wonderful for me. <laughs> you knew what he was going to say, but sort of you still enjoyed listening to them. I don't get that from Harris. It's very, very uninspiring. Yeah. And I can't imagine him giving that sort of, that you've pictured Warnock... The, the famous Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, Sheffield United rant in the change rooms about him fucking die, fucking die for all of you, all of that. Yeah. Can you imagine Harris doing that? It just it wouldn't have the same effect. No, it wouldn't. And that's a worry. It's sort of the best man just inspire you, sort of Pep. You look at what Pep does, even Mourinho or Klopp, you look at those sort of top end managers and you can imagine when they give a Pep talk and you, they, they, you'd run through fucking walls for them. I wouldn't run to the kitchen to grab my glass of water at the moment just from what you say. It's just really, really drab and just... I don't want to be miserable because I'll get hammered in the fucking chat again. <laughs> but it's just... It's not bad. It's not. It's just meh. Yeah. Uninspiring. Yeah. So it's C plus on the performance, D on media... We're looking at the business side of things. We've only made three sign-ins and, and a couple of departures. I think I'd probably go C again. Um, I think it's hard to judge. I think yeah, that's probably the only one you can't really grade at the moment. Um, there's a lot of the business. I think was smart. Murphy um, moving to a coaching role now. Um, Triore leaving the club. Bogle going on loan. Can you imagine the party Omar Bogle and Alan Pardew are going to have out in Holland? I, I don't think. I don't believe. think. I don't think enough's been made of that. Of Alan Pardew's gone out to Holland. If you said at the start of the season Omar Bogle will leave in January to play in Holland under Alan Pardew, <laughs> you literally think like you'd lost the plot. <laughs> it's football manager. It? It's a reject. It's just like yeah. it's into football manager. Yeah, it's just class. But yeah. Um, I don't think there's not a, the only one I don't agree with is the Peltier one. Yeah. And if uh, Dion Sanderson comes in and proves to be an absolute success, then perhaps it's not a bad idea. But right now, that's the but one. Then he I might don't come out with. and be come in and be a success, and we've developed him for Wolves, and then we're left looking looking for a right back in the summer. I think there's more to it. I think that even though there's no actual option to buy, I think if it goes well, um, there would be either another season-long loan or an option to buy. Um, Wolves have just signed, is it Madison from Rochdale? Yeah. That 15, 16-year-old. He looks so young, doesn't he? He looks nine. Like, literally looks like, he looks like the kid from um, Outnumbered. Yeah. yeah it's just sort of just mad. And I was a teenager when he was born. That worries me. That's really, <laughs> really depressing. <laughs> So we go in C for business purely on not being that much to judge. Yeah, I think it's fair. So then the big one for me, the last category is 
morale. And I think the morale at the club is really low at the moment. I think it's on its ass. I yeah. think well, our conversation just then summed it up. Yeah. It's just mere, and it? it's not F, it's not bad, as in like it's horrendous, people are in a bad mood. It's just flat. It's as D as you can get. You got a flat D. Yeah. And no yeah. one wants a flat D. Um <laughs> It's just it's not bad enough to get annoyed about and sort of things are getting broken and stuff. It's just shit. It's just God. Ultimately, like, you know, we all love Car City, we all love football, but it is entertainment. That's what it should be, right? It's an en- like it's it's a a luxury, it's an entertainment. This is not entertainment, it's not enjoyable. I disagree at times. There's flashes like West Brom coming out of that, I was bouncing. Yeah. I okay. really, really enjoyed that. I really came with a spring in my step for the first time probably all season. I haven't had that buzz coming out of there thinking, oh, that was good. We deserve that. That was That's the way to go. I'm really happy. Really enjoyed that. I, I was entertained and that was the way to go. Like West Brom is the – that's the blueprint. And if you can implement that week in, week out, then I think we're onto something. And I think sort of he'll very quickly change opinions. But right now, meh, just it's too inconsistent. We've had probably two performances like that where we thought, oh, fuck, I, this is this is on the money. And probably one of those was a fluky three or winning at Leeds. We didn't deserve to win. Um, it's just, yeah. So overall, what, what are you saying, a D? C minus, I think a D's C-. harsh, minus. but yeah, much like my reports in school, can do better. Can do better. Well, if you're listening, well, you're obviously listening because you're hearing this. Uh, let us know what what you think and what you would uh, rate him on your Neil Harris report cards. Uh, on How Twitter. many slices of mouldy bread out of ten would you give Neil Harris? Yeah, that's a good judger. Right, we've gone on a bit. Uh, I want to do some questions. Luton on the weekend, I can't really be bothered previewing it too much. So what is your score prediction? Draw. Classic. <laughs> it's going to happen, isn't it? Bottom of the table, they've what, one win in like six or seven. Admittedly, that was to Derby. But they're bottom of the table. Though. If we're, if we're all, You look at our fixtures now over the next few weeks. I spoke about it with Baker. Um, our fixtures are really, really nice up until... Um, Brentford I'd say probably well Forest are fourth they've climbed and I didn't realise so you've got four winnable games here there's 12 points we should be looking at home and away Um, realistically how many points do you think we'll get four (laughs) it's just one of those isn't it we're averaging a point a game we're just really really average Um, but there's 12 points for grabs realistically that could really sort of turn the form around and sort of while the form hasn't been bad it's just been like everything else meh and if you get four wins and sort of pick up those 12 you pick up a comfortable 12 points like suddenly there's no reason why you can't you're in the playoffs and you let's face the way this league's going 12 points you're in the playoffs do you think realistically Cardiff can get the playoffs can they get anything other than mid-table they can whether they will or not, it's another. I don't think so, but there's definitely potential to. Think back to that West Brom game, mate. It was good. It was the way. Yeah. It was the way to go. If they play like that, you know the potential's there. You know it can happen. But as easy as we did, as sort of 
as much as we've seen the West Brom result, there's the QPR to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's just down to Harris to get all to get the performances back up to the level that they were at West Brom, and no one else could do that for him. And confidence, it's confidence, isn't it? Yeah, wins breed confidence. And the next four games are a good chance to get a real good confident run in before we play Forest and Brentford towards the end of the month. I feel like you've been quite positive today, you know? I feel like I've been a bit doom and gloom and you've been the positive voice. I'm trying to be. There's, there's lots of reasons to be positive. It's just down to the club and the players now to step up and deliver it for us. This isn't a bad squad. It's an average squad. But this yeah. is a very, very, very average championship this year. I guess it shines a light on actually how good a job Neil Warnock was doing getting better from an average squad in the last couple of years. Obviously not yeah, this season, it was, but before that. The morale, it's purely like you look at it, what has changed is the buzz and the morale. Mm-hmm. That's completely gone. So, what can you do? Yeah. Right, let's go on to some questions. going to fly through these because we, you know, we've gone on for a while. Bluebird's Past asks... Why aren't we playing Reading on Saturday? And I'm going to answer that. I I hope we never play Reading again. I hope we just forfeit every single game against Reading in the future. No, I think I think in just tradition, until Neil Harris leaves, it should be just a draw. Just doesn't have to be played. It's just a one-all draw. Callum Patterson and Mite get a goal each and just leave it at that. Yeah, okay. David Carter asks, after his first... 15 or so games, which players do you think Neil Harris will want to move out in the summer to make room for a few new faces? Um, you have to choose your top three. Christ, I don't know, because the last person I would have said would have been Lee Peltier. And look what yeah, happened that's there. That's true. Um, I ne- think it'll be Neil Etheridge. Because I think Smithies is number one now, and you know Etheridge, yeah, and Etheridge is one of the few that could probably demand a fee. And probably is on decent wages. Um, I think I was going to say Sol Bamba because I don't think he can give him the games that he'll want. So I think he'll he'll be going out. Um, that third one, Josh Murphy, I guess. I know he could have had the chance. I, now, I don't but... think I don't think it is. I don't think Murphy's won. Um... Purely I think he on, likes me. If he does, I I I guess think he does like him, and he'll give him the rest of the season. But if he doesn't produce, you know, how long can they keep him? Yeah, true. Um, well, for me, I think you're right with Etheridge. I think now's the time to cash in. Make Smithy's number one. Um, I think Cunningham will go. Um, I know yeah, he's not been involved, him, yeah. and he's he's out for the season. But. I think he's one that, that sort of Harris will be eyeing up and saying, let's get rid of that wage off the books. He's one of the top, he's sort of a higher in at the club, came in the Premier League, get rid of him. And the third, I really don't know. Um, it could be anyone. I, it wouldn't surprise me he wants to get rid of a winger, maybe someone like Vassell off the books, obviously injury prone, sort of hasn't had the best run. Yeah. Isaac Vassell. He's one of those names you'll just forget that he played for Cardiff City. I was at the Vale um, for work a few weeks ago, just before the Swansea game. Um, I was doing a survey on the building where the, tra- the sort of the training facilities are for work, and I went into each room. So sort of went into Neil Harris's office, went around everywhere, sort of where the catering is on the balcony. Went into the physios room, and Matty Connolly was there. Had a little chat with him, asking oh, he was doing. He'll be out. Yeah, his contract's up, yeah. and. Um, 
but having a nice chat with him. And then Isaac Purcell came in, and it took me, and I'm pretty good at recognising players. I looked, and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and it took me probably a solid minute to realise who it was. Um, that shows just how forgettable he is. But when he played, he looked all right, didn't he? Yeah, That's well, the annoying that thing. It's just, Houston. Yeah, it's really frustrating, but he's going to be a what could have been, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him go. Yeah, Matt Davis asks if we scored ten goals in a match, what's the likelihood that we would still manage to draw the game? Ah, oh, sir, yeah. that's it. Odds on. Yep. If it, uh, Tom Lewis, we asked, answered his first question. Actually, asked about uh, who do you think the midfield two should be behind Tomlin. He says Volks and Rawls slash Bakuna. We we pretty much agreed with that. He also party. says, do you think Bagan could be given a chance in the first team over the next few matches after the Reading game? I think probably with Brad Smith coming in, it's probably unlikely. Yeah, I think it's quite funny that we're sort of scrambling for a left-back. We sign a sort of unknown quantity in Brad Smith. And then we go, oh, hang on, this young lad's quite good, isn't he? Let's uh, <laughs> put him in the mix. But I think he'll be more if the season really does die out and you're sort of looking mid-table and like you're not going up, you're not going down. Possibly then he might get on the bench and sort of in with the squads. Yeah. But that either promise to start, let's not rush him and let's not burn him out. Let's give him time to sort of acclimatise young lad. Uh, a lot of promise. And let's see how it goes. But hopefully he gets a bit of a chance and gets a sort of look in here. Yeah? Even if it's just off the bench for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Blue Man 61 says, why do some people think we are better than we really are? Because of false promises from years gone by. You look at that squad, the core of the squad's still there. And sort of what we achieved, even in the Premier League last year, and that seemed how long ago to the Premier League seemed now? Yeah, a long time. I feel like every uh, relegated Premier League club still thinks they're better than they are. Do you know what I mean? Like I you, think, don't, you don't you look adjust at and... Huddersfield and Stoke. You look at those two teams. Like Stoke have been down two years now, but sort of both of them. It's used to, I bet they're still fans are still thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, it's not easy to be relegated, and let's face it, we probably shouldn't have gone up the year we did. It was a lot of team spirit and sort of a Warnock masterclass that got us up. If you looked on paper, that squad wasn't good enough to go up. They were no. better teams there. You look at Fulham, uh, you look at Villa, two teams that were definitely on paper. If you sort of put the two against each other, they'd win hands down. It was just a miracle and a really, really unforgettable and a special season that I hope hasn't been tainted over the last, after what's gone on this year and sort of. You, people, people don't forget how good some of those players were. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Morgan asks, what's your opinion on Patterson and Tomlin playing together? If they can, where should they play? We talked about it a bit. Patterson is the number one striker at the moment and, and probably deservedly so. Tomlin's the, the number one, number 10, and, and that's the obvious two, isn't it, I think? Well, Tomlin's the only number 10, isn't he? Well, that's the big with, issue. With Patterson playing as a... As, as a, a striker. Mark, yeah, yeah. But I um, think they can play together as long as we don't um, we don't instinctively go to the long ball with Patterson. Yeah, everything good has come from Tomlin this season. Near yeah. enough, Orks sort of stepped up. Rawls has played well when he's not been injured. Um, yeah, so you forget actually how long Rawls has been out now, isn't it? It's been a while. Well, I think that's sort of one of the harsh things on Harris is he's not had a chance to play him, has he? No. He's Rawls has just had such a nightmare with injuries, sort of a broken hand and sort of pulling his arse cheek for the sounds of things, <laughs> that he's just not had a chance to get a good run and get back to the form. Because before then, 
Rawls was comfortably player of the season. Oh, so he, he got, got injured. Fire, wasn't he? He was the best was... player in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Just gets him, to be honest. Uh, two more at Cornish asks people talk about youth not being given chances but for someone who doesn't follow the youth teams that much Alex side note we post the match reports from the under 18s and 23 games you should check those out on View for the Ninian um, who if anyone is actually in competition for a spot oh sorry who in the first team is in danger of facing competition from a youth player for this spot Likewise, are any youth players really ready for the first team? I think looking at the team, the area that would probably be in danger of if a good youth player came through would probably be on the wings. Yeah. Maybe up front if someone really, you know, if we had an Ernie or, or Cameron Jerome when he broke in, that type of of player. But I don't think any really are, but those would be the positions for me. Um, and any youth players ready... Probably not quite, not far off, but I think the ones not far off are probably the ones that were in the squad against against Reading. So, Bagan, uh, Bowen, Mia, is it Miambe? And, yeah. And Sang, I think they're probably the, the ones. Miambe's the one that's really stood out for me when I've sort of, I've not, I used to be really good at going to watch sort of in uni. Near enough, I was there at near enough every under 23 game, sort of, and some of the under, under 18s games when they were in the stadium. And then I you was really become an game. adult. <clears throat> And then real life got in the way, and it was so shit. Um, but I don't know how to respond to that. All right, Siri. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, they're the ones from the little I've seen that sort of step up. I think Harris is right with the players he's putting in. Um, the other one that sort of the Barry, some boys that watch Barry a lot are raving about is George Ratcliffe, the goalkeeper. Yeah, um, you could see him becoming number two next year. With, yeah, I think that's the way it'll go. Day's not got a look in his E. Smithy's comes number one. If we get a fee for Etheridge, then there's your number two. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think yeah, the under-18s is where it's all at. Um, wouldn't bother watching the under-23s. What I found really interesting, I've sort of found quite funny when I've looked at it, is um, Neil Warnock's son has magically disappeared from the squads. Yeah, He went from playing near enough every game to just not being in the squads at all. William Warnock. It's an unfortunate name, isn't it? Yeah. William Warnock. Anyway. Right, our last question. Dave Roderick. Uh, having recently been a Premier League club, shouldn't we be investing heavily in the manager and squad for a realistic attempt to return there? Probably, no. but but the fact that they chose Harris shows that they that's not the route they want to go in. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to back him with loads of money because he was the cheap option and he's been brought in to, to cut the wage bill and to, to get players off the books. Um, we can't afford to fall foul of the FFP. Um, the Football League aren't too keen on Cardiff. At the best of times, we get put under really harsh restrictions. You sort of think back to 2016 when that transfer embargo happened when you look at what Derby and other teams are getting away with now. Um, we can't afford to make a loss year in, year out and spend a lot of money on players the club needs to be self-sufficient. It needs to be smart. We've not made... The biggest sort of money in it for a lot of these clubs in the championship is young players being sold on. We've not had money for a young player since, what, Ramsey? Yeah, probably. Ramsey is... I think it is. Ramsey. I think Ramsey's the last one. We only sold him for £5 million. Um, The club's not in a position to do what other teams are doing. We're run differently. We're a different kettle of fish. You even look at someone like Swansea, the money they've made. 
it's what frustrates me that Swansea now are downgrading their academy from Category 1 to a Category 3. So basically their academy is going part-time. Cardiff are now in a real big position to where the facilities are there to turn this into a Category 1 and sort of use it as a long-term investment say, look, it's going to cost a lot of money and that's where our development's going, but let's bring these young players through. Because there is a wealth of talent in Wales. You look at what Swansea produce, you look at like even areas like Wrexham, you look at the quality of players they're producing and we're missing out on that just because we're, two, we're, we're spunking six million quid on Gary Medine. Mm. Gary Medine's transfer fee would pay the difference to make Cardiff a Category 1 Academy. And yeah. that's where the club's going wrong. The club needs to focus on that long term now. The short term thing, we knew Warnock was a short term option. We all took it. We were all delighted with it. But we're all sort of stuck now in this sort of midway thing of we want long term, we want short term success, but with long term planning. And that's the way, realistically, if we spent three, four years mid table in the Championship, but we're building something from within with the Youth Academy, and there's a clear direction from the club, and they come out and say, look, we're not going to be spending 10 million on a single player, but we're going to be spending 10 million on the Academy. I'd be buzzing with that. Yeah. And it all comes down to communication from the club. And they need to, you know, if they, if youth isn't the way, or, you know, it's going to take a while for the youth to, to re-reap the benefits of that. They need to start becoming smart about the way they do business, about, you know, Brentford are, are a classic example. And, you know, maybe they're the complete extreme, uh, the other extreme in terms of the analysis and the data that they use to, to bring in players. But, such smart signings, you know. You look at the players that they've sold, uh, you know, Neil Mope for twenty million, Ezri Collins like, for oh, since they've come to the championship for eighty-two million pounds in profit from players. Yeah, something like that. That's promotion to the ridiculous. Premier League season. You know, Cardiff don't need to be si- spending big money. You know, in January, Brentford signed Shandon Baptiste and Tariq Fossu from Oxford, who both look unbelievable players and with with here in league one apart for three million for the pair you know these are smart signings and using never data. mind we don't have to we can't do it we're shit at spending money yeah that's that's the big change that needs to happen isn't it we're, we're just so bad at it and it really cooks me you sort of see these statements that came out um oh well the club spent 100 million pounds under neil warnock you sign the checks lads why are you surprised by this yeah it's sort of you can't sort of play dumb to that now and sort of act like you didn't know what was going on. Because if you didn't know what was going on, there's bigger fucking issues than how much Neil Warnock spent. If you're not if you're not keeping track of a hundred million pounds, you're not the people that that should be in charge to run this club. Um, there just needs to be a smarter approach from it. Because you look at sort of the communication the last couple of weeks where the fans have sort of really got behind the club with the red into Barkle and all the fat and sort of the statement from the club, strong supporting the fans, really clear communication. And the meeting the other week but with Mehmet Darman and a few people going over the Salah situation and sort of the fantastic work they're doing with the Salah Foundation. Um, clear communication, everyone got behind it, really sort of shows what the club's doing. If they can do that for everything going forward, then everyone's going to be happy. At the moment, you're in a sort of, the biggest thing is, the worst thing is not knowing. At least with like the Swansea owners, they came out and said, yeah, we're taking you, we're taking you for a ride, lads. We're selling these players. We're getting rid of everything we yeah. can, and we're going to heap ton of coin. We're not investing the money. But from ours, it's the radio silence that sort of is the bad thing, and that's just down to the club to sort. It's an easy fix. It's state. It's it's Ken Chu doing what Neil Warnock did and getting out into the community. And what that's where Neil Warnock got the support from everyone was he was in the community talking to people, communicating. No one's going to complain that club are communicating too much. 
if they're clear on what they're doing yeah. and sort of show a stru- structure and sort of come out with a blueprint um like even somewhere like you look at like different sport but the blues um the company i work for sponsors them we received a brochure a few weeks ago outlining their five-year plan on the pitch and off the pitch and stuff like that it's it doesn't have to be high high level it doesn't have to be like granular details but sort of a high level plan of this is what we're looking to achieve yeah. that's all it has to do we sort of worryingly we were on the right lines and we said that the plan was with trollop i don't think it was the right plan but when we came out and said this is we're looking to implement the cardiff way then that that was sort of the right thing long term it was just the wrong man to do it yeah and it's just it's it's a, just just talk cardiff it's yeah. good to talk it is well this is our call to arms to cardiff to to Tell us what you're doing. Tell us the plan. What are we all buying into and, and things? Will... End of the season, just come up with a statement and it's not we're moving Russell Slade up to a made-up job next upstairs because <laughs> he's too nice to sack. It's being clear and saying, look, over the next five years, this is the Cardiff five-year plan. Or yeah. if there is no five-year plan, open up and say, look, Vincent Town's looking to sell in the next three years. Yeah. Happy days. Wipe the debt, move on, shake hands. We know that we're in a bit of a tr- rocky, rocky, uh, rocky period, but... We we, it could be good. Yeah, just be upfront with it, and a lot of the problems and a lot of the frustration from the fans will be eased. Long term, you might get pissed off reaction short term, but long term it's a lot better. Yeah, agreed. Right, Ben, let's leave it there. It's a good one tonight, and uh, hope you enjoy that's it. The most, that's the most sense I've talked in weeks. It is. Yeah, well, you have to have a couple of weeks off then. Yeah, it's just yeah, all in one go. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening, and uh, if you enjoyed it, please do give us a rating and, and a, a review on, on Apple Podcasts and tell all your friends about View from the Ninian, and, and we'll see you next week. Cheerio. Cheers.